Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Here's what you have to write down. When you get this, then you understand the whole teaching. Prayer is powerful because God's powerful. It's not because I'm powerful. Now, sometimes we make an allusion to people's prayers, and I think it's okay because there are some people that can really pray anointed prayers. But it isn't the anointed prayer necessarily. It's the fervent prayer of a righteous man. You know those people, right? The ones who every time you turn around are talking about how God answered their prayers. And there's you with your prayers that you're sure are just bouncing off the ceiling, not even leaving the room. Well, today, Pastor Mark's teaching just might be helpful to you, although it might frustrate you at first. You'll learn about what God's looking for from you when you pray. Pastor Mark will teach about the attitude you should have when you're praying and how that makes all the difference. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as he begins a new message called The Power of Prayer. We're going to turn, first of all, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If any of you travel in the United States... You probably have traveled through Denver. There was a great article in the newspaper. United Airlines axes the troubled baggage system at Denver Airport. It took 10 years and at least $600 million to figure out that big muscles, not computers, can best move baggage. The baggage system launch chewed up and spit out bags so often it became known as the baggage system from you know where. In 1994 and 95, the baggage system kept Denver shiny new airport for opening. When it finally did open, the baggage system didn't. United Airlines is giving up on the failed project. On Labor Day, the system of 300 computers directing carts along little railroad tracks in the bowels of the airport will be shut off. The airport will go back to the old reliable tugs and carts. United wanted a system that would move hundreds of thousands of bags quickly and efficiently, says aviation consultant Michael Boyd. And basically, it couldn't move a Barbie doll efficiently. A little bit of sarcasm. People have tried to make the baggage system work, said it's always been nothing but a bunch of scrap. And to be honest, that's likely where it will end up, on the scrap pile, fetching somewhere between 60 and $90 a ton. 
Despite its decision after $600 million to shut down the system, United will still have to pay the airport $60 million a year as part of the lease for a system that's being destroyed. I wrote this, that the only person who could have made this baggage system work is God. But it points out something when we're talking about the power of prayer. It talks about the wisdom of God versus the foolishness of man. Now, man's smart. Man does a lot of things. But in comparison to God, it's nothing. First Corinthians chapter 2, down in verses 4 and 5. I'll read to you out of the New Living. In my message, Paul says, in my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and pervasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Well, how do we get the power of God into our lives, into the situations that you and I face on a daily basis? Well, let me just remind you of a couple things, and then one major statement I want you to leave with tonight. Well, it matters who we pray to. You've heard this before. It does matter. And if Paul says he trusted in the power of God, that's the God I want to pray to. And how I get that power from God to me is through the avenue simply of prayer. Remind ourselves of the character of God. He's all-powerful. That means he's unlimited power. Unlimited. We don't even know what that means. He's all-knowing. He knew before this crazy United system went in. He's probably up there going, okay, it won't be long, but it took him 10 years to finally decide that it won't work. God is also everywhere at the same time. He's not bound by any kind of time and space. The second thing is, who we pray to determines the expectancy and outcome of our prayers. Nothing is impossible with God. As you think about God and His power, and we know inherently, because those of us that are Christians, as we study the Bible, we see that. We'll go to one passage to look at that. How do I appropriate that power in my life? I need God's power. I need His, I need the power of prayer in my life. Now, Why is prayer powerful? Here's what you have to write down. When you get this, then you understand the whole teaching. Prayer is powerful because God's powerful. It's not because I'm powerful. Now, sometimes we make an allusion to people's prayers, and I think it's okay because there are some people that can really pray anointed prayers. But it isn't the anointed prayer necessarily, it's the fervent prayer. Of a righteous man. And sometimes our children can teach us how to pray. And they really don't even, really, they don't understand everything, but it's just the simple prayer of a child. Well, why could that prayer be powerful? One reason. Prayer is powerful because God is powerful. So, remember who you're praying to. All of us in this room have situations. Every one of us. Typically on Wednesday night, I do most of my counseling. I don't do counseling too much anymore. Most of the other people do most of the counseling. But I do it before the service, usually one to four sessions. But in those situations, just like in yours or in mine or any situation in our life, 
over and over again, doesn't matter the situation, God's powerful prayer is needed. Because the situations, well, it's worse than the United deal, that many of the situations we deal with, from man's viewpoint, they're just impossible. Some of you have those situations in your life right now tonight. And you're looking at that situation and it's impossible. You, you cannot, with man's wisdom, figure out how it will work. And if we're not careful, we become discouraged. Satan loves to do that. We kind of know, well, God is powerful. I know that. And prayer powerful. And nothing's impossible. With God. I know that. But this situation over here, God can't get to it. Yes, he can. How does he get to it? Through prayer. Some of your marriages are a disaster. Now, you look good here, but they're a disaster. It's been that way for a while. Some of you have a child situation. You have a financial situation. You have a health situation. And you've already kind of written God off. And let me remind you what we talked about. I hope you, and I know you didn't, we haven't written off Europe. Have you written off Europe? Some of you have relatives in Europe. I haven't written off Europe. And I had many people come up to me and say, God's been speaking to me about Europe, going to Europe, seeing what God will do. So I hope you haven't written off Brevard County. Have you written off your loved ones that just won't come to the Lord? You know, the ones that you kind of have in this impossible category. Don't write them off. The power of prayer. So as we go through the teaching, I'm going to challenge you. It's a story you know. But I want to put yourself in, and I want you to see the importance of prayer. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 16. God told us in our prophecy from Isaiah that he was expanding our tents. Well, it's already happening. And he said, you're going to have to put the stakes down. One of those stakes that God has dealt with us, and that's why we're doing this series on prayer. A few weeks we'll finish that, and God will direct us back to a book of the Bible or whatever he does. But we're putting that state down, not just to put it down temporarily and then move on to the way we were before. We will never be the same. I hope you'll never be the same as we finish this because we're going to grow and we're going to allow God's prayer to be an important thing in our life. Now, let's look down to verse 16. Paul and Silas, you know the story, but I want you to think about it from the perspective Of the power of prayer. Remember, I gave you a homework assignment three weeks ago. Anybody remember? You're supposed to go through the book of Acts, and you're supposed to look. Good job. By the way, when you went through the book of Acts, did you find prayer anywhere in the book of Acts? It's all over it. And obviously, we could spend weeks and weeks going through that again, just from that aspect of prayer. But let me remind you, really the only church in church history... That was incredibly powerful and turned their world upside down. The only church was the church of the book of Acts. You see, by about 95 and 100 A.D., the church in the book of Acts had already decided, well, we need man's help. Or we need a little formality. We don't need too much of the Holy Spirit anymore. And so now we have the seven churches from John in Revelation written to many of the churches that no longer... Laodicea and so forth, lukewarm, not even interested in the things of God. So prayer is just bathed all through the book of Acts. And here's another passage of scripture. If you did your homework, you found it. And we'll talk about it. In verse 16, it says, Paul says, once when we were going to the 
to the place of prayer. Now, when you read the place of prayer, Paul and Silas are going to the place of prayer. Does that bring any other part of the book of Acts to mind to you? Think for a moment. I'm trying to challenge you. Peter and John, Acts chapter 3. Remember, as they were headed to the temple to pray, who did they encounter? A man who was lame from birth. So here we go again. So notice the pattern of prayer in these people's lives. This is critical. And as I was praying about this yesterday and today, this is the priority of prayer. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Now, what do I mean by the priority of prayer? Well, Jesus tells us in the book of Luke, men ought to always pray and not lose heart. Throughout his ministry, Jesus patterned his life. They always knew that there was a pattern of prayer in the life of Jesus. Early in the morning, it was kind of thing he just did routinely in his life. So, let me give you three keys for you, just to write down and encourage yourself. Number one, learn to schedule quiet time alone with God. You see, they were going at the time of prayer. They were going to the place of prayer. It was routine for them. We're learning the Lord's Prayer, the Disciple Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. We learned the key word was daily. It's routine. We should be praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us today our daily bread. And we'll talk about forgiveness and we'll talk about temptation, the role both of those have. Now, how often do I need forgiveness and how often will temptation be in my life? You know the answer, don't you? How often? Daily. So, Paul and Silas, they have a pattern of prayer. And because you never know where you're going to need that power that God's developing during that quiet time. Number two, as you're doing that, let me encourage you to to, uh, write out some of your prayers. Don't have to write them all out. But I encourage you to write out some of your prayers. Remember all the sheets you bought in the bookstore, those little cards. And if you don't have some of them, go over there. 20 cents, they're great. And just write out your own. You see, if I don't have a scheduled time with God, prayer will never be a priority in my life. If you don't have a scheduled time with God on a routine basis, don't get legalistic, but on a routine basis, if you don't have one, you will not be consistent with your quiet time. You won't have it. It will not be consistent. So if you get up in the morning, and again, you don't have to be legalistic, like tomorrow morning, as the other pastors have done, Pastor Dave and Pastor Dean, I have one more of the disciple classes that we're doing with young guys, and every other week we meet with this group at 5.30. Well, I'm not getting up at 4.30 and do my quiet time in the morning, because you won't even see me. So that's one day that I won't do it. But immediately at 5.30 for the next two hours, I'm really doing a quiet time with these guys. Because I've already started studying today for what I'm going to meet with them tomorrow. But God's going to be with us. So don't get too legalistic. But if you don't have a routine, if you get up in the morning, and the first thing you do is make coffee and shower and whatever, so you wake, that's cool, tea. And then you go to the paper and you read all the paper through. And then you turn your favorite program on, see what the news is all that time through. And then you're going to sit down and try to do your quiet time. Here's what you'll find. Your mind is filled with everything you just read. And you're going to have a very difficult time getting into the Word of God. 
So you're going to have to put this aside in my mind. Think over here and put this over here. So start with, by the way, the news will hold. It won't get any better between that and an hour later. It'll just get a little worse. So start with what? Your cup of coffee, because you have to be alert to study the Word of God. Okay? And start with your devotion. Your 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you do. Start with that. Then your mind is set for the day. Then you can read the news and pray and do all the other things. And as you move through the day, you started with the right priority. Number two, write some of them down. And number three, as God answers those prayers, write them down. I just wrote some of those things down when we got back from vacation. The very next morning, I just wrote all the, just a, just a few of the blessings that God had given us on our vacation. All the neat things he did, the opportunities he provided to. Why do I do that? Because I'm thanking God. And see, when you write it down, just like you guys that are taking notes, those that you're not, this sermon will be out of your mind shortly. Those of you that are writing down, well, it lasts a little longer, plus later you can go back to it. So writing is very important. Now, notice, we can teach about prayer, we can talk about prayer, you can read books on prayer, but unless you pray, it won't work. Now, this team, Paul and Silas, they meet this girl who is has demons in her. It's, she's absolutely taken over by Satan. Now, here's the reason you want to pray and be up to date in your prayer. Second thing, spiritual warfare is routine in life. Spiritual warfare is real and caused by Satan and his demons, not people. So, People are just the ones that are filled with the enemy. So we don't fight against principalities. You know this, Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and the, against the powers of dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. So we fight Satan. How do we fight Satan? Now, I want you to put yourself, you're Paul and Silas. You meet a young girl who is filled with Satan. Does our prayer need to be powerful? What are you going to do with that in the natural? You going to solve that in the natural? He said, Pastor Mark, I never have any problem like that. I never meet anybody with a demon or whatever, and there's no, no demons around in the United States anymore. Wake up. So how are you going to do this in the natural? You can't do that in the natural. So Paul and Silas have been prayed up. They're ready for what God wants to do in their life. By the way, you know divination is wrong. And all of these things with Ouija boards and contacting the dead. And I know, I guess there's a new, new uh, series coming this fall on television again. That, you know, contacting the dead and whatever. All of that is the occult world that's filled with Satan. Deuteronomy 18 says, don't even get near it. Verse 17, the girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, that message was true, but the messenger was not related to the message. So Satan's a great deceiver. Verse 18. Well, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled in his spirit that he turned around and said, notice, not to her, to the spirit. In the circle, this is your Bible if you've never done it. In the name of Jesus. Remember, we took a whole part of a session teaching on how do we pray? We pray in the Name of Jesus. So in verse 18 is a prayer. This is a prayer. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. What I think is incredible is, notice, at that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, 
How did that happen? The power of prayer. You see, prayer is powerful because God is powerful. If you just look at that for a moment, and I'll come back to it. I probably have a note for it later, but I want you to get it now. Follow me. Here's Paul. He's an agent of God. He prays in the name of Jesus to the power of God against Satan. Who wins this battle? Who's more powerful? Now, if we do this ten times out of ten, can that work ten times out of ten? Can it work a million times out of a million? Why? Because God is more powerful. So understand that with all the things that Satan can do, with all of those kind of things that he can do, God is always more powerful. Always, 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 always. So that's why prayer is incredibly powerful. It's not the 80-20 rule. It's not four out of five times. The prayer of God, the power of God, always defeats the enemy. Now, how did that happen? How did Paul feel right to do that? What about you and I? Well, look at this just for a moment. Matthew 28 gives us the clue. Look at verse 18. Then Jesus said to them, the disciples, just before he left this earth, he said this. All, here's the word I want you to listen to. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, power is spiritual ability. Authority is the right to exercise that power of God. Let me give you an illustration. Power. I can have the most powerful car in all the world. I can be on the mitten here. And every light in front of me, all the way from here, all the way down to Vieira, which will never happen, by the way, can be green. I can have all this power. But I can go nowhere until it actually turns green. I can have the engine go boom, boom. And it's red, and it's red, and it's red, and it's red. Well, I've got the power, but I don't have any authority to go through the red light. Now let me talk about authority. I can have the longest green light in the world. I can just see it forever. I do green, 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 green. But I can't get my car started. So the green light doesn't do me any good. So how do we operate with God? Well, two ways. Notice, I have the power of God. Now, where do I get that power? When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will have the power of God. Now, if I have the power of God, the engine in the car is ready to go. But I need a green light. I need the authority. I need the authority to exercise that power. Where do I get that authority? Well, Matthew 28, notice, all authority in heaven and earth, Jesus says, but given to who? To me, to Jesus. When Jesus left the earth, who did he leave the authority to? Hello? Every Christian. So I have the authority, and I have the power. So then I can, when God deems it necessary, he uses me, he uses you, he uses other people to free people. So understand that power is incredible. God has the ultimate power and authority, but he passes that to every believer. Now, be careful with that. We don't go around here casting demons out and as, you know, everybody's got a demon. They don't. Many times it's not a demon at all. It's just man's will. They just refuse 
to serve God because they don't want to serve God. They don't need God. But in this case, this girl was demon-possessed. She couldn't help herself. You found out today in Pastor Mark's teaching that it matters who you're praying to. If you don't believe that God's who he says he is, your prayers are really no good. You learn that the power of prayer has nothing to do with you. It's all about God. The situations you think are impossible are easy for God. Your prayers are powerful because God is powerful. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will wind up his teaching, The Power of Prayer. You'll hear more of the story of the Apostle Paul and Silas and the things that happened in Thyatira. You'll find out about how God is always in charge of things, even if it doesn't seem like he is. Pastor Mark will remind you that you need to be trusting God to handle everything that comes your way. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting.